welcome to the latest episode of the X-Files Retrospective Podcast, released through Bureau 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. This week we are looking at Fearful Symmetry, which originally aired on February 24th, 1995, and has an IMDb user score of 6.7 out of 10. And that score makes it tied for the lowest scored episode of the season. And I can kind of see why. The episode mostly takes place in Idaho. It's written by Steve DeGeronette and directed by James Whitmore Jr. Now, both of those people have pretty long and respectable credits and resumes as far as Hollywood's concerned. Uh, James Whitmore especially will be known to the sci-fi fans for work on Star Trek and the likes. This is the one and only time either one of them ever worked on the X-Files. This turned out to be a very difficult episode to write and to shoot. They ended up going back for rewrites and reshooting just to make it work partly because of the level of animal involvement and the conditions, and I guess partly just because Chris Carter simply wasn't satisfied with the script that had been turned in. It is a very heavy-handed anti-zoo and anti-captivity story. I mean, they they try to show both sides, but when the only person supporting the zoos who's actually trying to treat the animals fairly basically change allegiances, this is no longer an equal debate. This is an anti-zoo story. And it even quotes inaccurate statistics to do that. At one point, the character supposed to be pro-zoo was saying that, well, yes, it's true that only six successful elephants were born in captivity in the previous 10 years. Well, if you actually go into the statistics for that time period when this was created, six successful births is the span of four months, not 10 years. And the success rates for elephants and all animals are steadily increasing. Zoos today are not perfect, but they're a whole lot better than they were 50 years ago, zoos 20 years ago were a whole lot better than they were 50 years ago. Progress has definitely been made and some species have been saved from extinction, which is something that this leaves out, which would have been the first line of defense for zookeepers at this time. So you could tell there is a, a bias on the part of the writer in this case. And it was pulled in with the way it works. The basic idea is that animals are being abducted from zoos, but they're being released in the wrong places. And there's something going wrong with the abduction. So they're not going back to where they came from. They're coming back invisible. And of course, the animals panic and cause collateral damage. And so people are panicking. The zoo is getting shut down. The animals appear to have been used as breeder animals, as though it's some sort of alien conservation effort to preserve the species that humans are not preserving themselves. Or at least that's the conclusion that Mulder arrives at. It doesn't really work from a scientific standpoint. I mean, what this basically means is the aliens are creating their own zoo, because it's got to be the artificial habitats. It's not being released into the wild. It's a totally different alien faction, because this is a completely different methodology than the human abductions. And the idea that the aliens were abducting animals as well as humans would be nice if it was a consistent manner of abduction and consistent aliens. We also have signs that the writers were not researching the science behind it. Mulder's jumping into black holes, which would not explain what they're seeing there, even though he said he would accept the idea. He's talking about astrological phenomenon rather than astronomical phenomenon. He's talking about the time-space continuum instead of the space-time continuum. It's just not a good approach. It comes at very heavy-handed with a difficult shoot to make. It does have some upsides in terms of the guest stars. So we've got Jack Rader as Ed Meacham, who was abusive to the animals. If you look him up on the Internet Movie Database, he's got a long history of having small parts in big projects. So he's got some decent credentials there. We've got Leno Bristos as the janitor. We'll be seeing a lot more of him later on as Louis Cardinal. Now, Jane Atkinson, who played the zookeeper, who was supposed to be the sympathetic for the zoos and promoting that, 
She'd already been in Free Willy, would go on to be part of Free Willy 2, House of Cards, Criminal Minds, and more than that. Uh, we have Lance Guest as Kyle Lang, so it's the last Starfighter himself. So we've got decent credentials in terms of the cast, but the writing and the direction, the direction wasn't terrible. When you're dealing with a lot of animals and when you're dealing with someone who's under heavy makeup acting in a gorilla suit, you are going to be kind of limited in what you can do on TV budget with TV times. That's why you'll find most TV shows shy away from animals. You get the exceptions. There's the monkey on Friends. There were, you know, Eddie on Frasier. But again, there's nothing that's really distinctive. It always makes it difficult. In those cases, the animals were more like guest stars who'd be good for a joke or two and then mostly hang out in the background. And I mean, in the case of the monkey on Friends, the cast and crew admitted it was very difficult working with them and they wrote the monkey off as soon as they reasonably could. The trained dogs on Frasier are a lot more manageable just because of the nature of the species and the history of training them and working for trainable animals in the first place. So this particular episode, it kind of works on some levels. Like I said, it's inconsistent with the way alien abductions are treated before and after this episode. Depending on what your view of zoos is going into this episode, you may or may not find it enjoyable. I find knowing a little bit about it, partly because my sister works in a zoo and hearing the accurate statistics, I find this episode actually very irritating because it's a very one-sided viewpoint. Like I said, quoting inaccurate numbers to support its point. And then again, that may be just my own personal bias creeping through. So as always, do your own research, make up your own minds. Anyway, that's pretty much all I, all I have to say about Fearful Symmetry. The next episode, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce the title, given that it's difficult to pronounce words that have no vowels. It's, I think, dod or dead calm, but it's D-0-D-K-A-L-M. So please join us in two weeks when we discuss that one. Intro and outro music is Outside Poolside by Laswell, created under the Creative Commons license. All other content copyright 2015, Bureau 42. Please feel free to send any comments or feedback to bureau42podcasts at gmail.com or leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you for listening.